welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So I have three sessions with you, um, and we're going to look at the subject of leadership. Ta-da! Because regardless of where you're at now or where you are going to head up or think you're heading, at some point you either are now or you will be in leadership somewhere along the line. So whether that's in your family home, whether that's in the workplace or whatever, right, groups of friends or whatever, you're going to end up at some point being in leadership. Hopefully, and I'm pretty sure you will, okay. Um, and so what I want to look at is just some, some different points. A lot of it is going to be based on a guy called John C. Maxwell, who does seminars all around the world, both in churches and in business, on, on leadership. Um, and so some of his material I'm integrated into the material that I've got, because um, he just has some really good teaching on, on leadership. Um, just because if we're going to be leaders, then let's be the best leader that we can be in whatever setting it is, whether it's in the workplace or wherever um, we're going to lead. Let's, let's be the best that we can be. And there are some sort of like points that can help us do that. Um, so this week and um, the next session that I'm going to do, uh, we're going to look at King Saul and King David um, and then bringing in some of and what John Maxwell says about leadership, looking at where Saul stood on that and where David stood on it, um, and then hopefully we can pick up on the good bits and the good, the bad bits as we go through life. Because um, particularly King Saul made some like really dramatic mistakes um, in terms of leadership. He basically didn't do all that well, um, and David did a lot better, but still made some mistakes, and we'll we'll look at that as we go along. Um, okay. Really good. So just to put it into context, so um, if you remember, for a long time, um, Israel didn't have a king. Um, they were ruled by just judges that God raised up, so you know, like Samson and Deborah and so on and so on. So if you read the book of Judges, there's a whole load of them, one by one, uh, who God would raise up to deliver and bring his judgments and his words and his um, guidance. And then towards, and then at the end of Judges, though, we see that, that there's issues in Israel. Things are not particularly going all that well. And people are getting a bit confused as to what they're meant to be doing. And, um, and then God brings in a man who is just a really godly man. In fact, he brings him in as a child. And if you read the beginning of Samuel, um, on Samuel chapter 1 um, up to like the first three chapters brings the story of, of Samuel and how his mum couldn't have any children and she pleaded with God and, and God um, just gave her her miracle baby and she called him Samuel and then once he was weaned so it was maybe three or four years old she took him to the temple and she dedicated him to the temple and he grew up in the temple and, and you know the story of how you know, Samuel could hear God and, and from a very early age. He would talk to him and he just grew up a godly man. And, and so throughout the reign of Saul, 
um, we see Samuel is one of God's prophets. But during the time of Samuel, so when Samuel was a man, the people of Israel decided they wanted a king. Okay, so they, they preferred to be ruled by a king and ruled rather than be governed and um, by a prophet. And so God said, yes, you can have a king. And so he told Samuel to anoint Saul as king. And that's where in Psalm, um, Samuel, on Samuel chapter 9, is where Saul comes onto the scene and Samuel anoints him. Okay, so, so here's a man who has a really good start. Okay, God's chosen him and, and Samuel says that, uh, Samuel 9 says that he, he was head and shoulders above all the other guys. So he was pretty strong, pretty tall and, and on the outside looked like the perfect person to be a leader. Okay, uh, and, and it says that he was talented and, and he had good looks. Okay, and he was 30 years old when Samuel anointed him as king. So he became king at the age of 30 and had like all the promises of being a brilliant leader, right? Even had God's approval, right? God's anointing, off you go, Samuel, Saul, go for it, you're going to be a great leader. But the problem was, Saul relied completely on his title. He didn't move forward in his leadership techniques and he didn't get to know the people that he was leading. So if you, we go back to um, John Maxwell. John Maxwell talks about there being different levels of leadership. So there's, there's actually five, according to the way he breaks it down, there's five levels of leadership. The first one is the, lead, the position of lead, uh, the level of position, and that's when you are given a title of leadership. Um, and everybody, you know, will we'll start off particularly with this level, the level of position. But this is the level that you're not really meant to stay at because you need to get very quickly to the level of number two, which is the level of permission, because you want permission from the people that you're leading. You see, level one is when you, you take your title and you rule by your title and you rely on rules and procedures to get the job done rather than people wanting to be led by you. So dictators, um, you've probably all experienced or, or um, see managers who rule this way, where they're just literally, they, they use fear tactics, they, they use, you know, like, if you don't do this, then we will shut down the canteen, or if you don't, you know, these rules, 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 rules. And at this level, there's, there's very little relationship with the people that you're leading, and you don't always get their permission. And unfortunately, you know, like you, you may have worked in, in places where you've, you've experienced this, um, where the management, people are not usually very happy working under that kind of leader. You know, they're, they're, there's a lot of discontent because there's a bit of confusion and there's a lot of fear and, and threats and things. And you can see that, that Saul definitely 
ruled on this level only. He didn't move forward from this level at Vincent. Um, for example, in 1 Samuel chapter 11, we see that the way that Paul, uh, Saul gets people on board um, on a particular, he wants to, to fight a particular nation. Um, <laughs> instead of sort of rallying the troops and encouraging them and getting to know them and, and, and building them up and saying, come on guys, we can do this, he cuts up a goat into little pieces and then he sends the goat throughout the villages with the, the message of saying, anyone who doesn't join the army and fight with me, I will do to them what I've just done to this goat. Right? So, so that's how he led his army, basically, through threats. And so he wasn't the most popular of leaders, I don't think. So don't stay at level one if you you are like you get promoted and you become manager don't rely on your title to lead begin then to move on to level two which um john c maxwell calls the position level position uh, sorry the permission sorry i apologize position is level one permission so, so that is where you very quickly begin to get to know, if you don't know them already, the people that you are leading. And so you, you, you want to lead by interrelationships. You want to find out, you know, who is it that I'm leading, you know. Let's say you're promoted at work. And so to so find out what are the, the things that the people that you're leading enjoy. What are their talents? What are their... The, you know, what are their goals in life? What is it that they, that they need? What is it they desire? And remember that you're not the greatest asset. The people are. Asset is... Um, thing? Valuable thing. Yeah, so something that has value. So, so you're not the one with the greatest value. The people that you're leading are. The, the product that you're producing or the company that you work for or the items that you work with are not the greatest value, right? The people are, okay? And when you, when you have that in the back of your mind, the people that you're leading, then you will begin to create that culture of honor. And, and so the position level you, you've got, you're beginning to, to develop relationships and you can do this quite quickly in the first sort of like through few months of, of learning to sort of like when you take over. So creating a culture of honour is all part of, of getting to know people and honouring the people that you, you lead in and I think you've already had teaching on honour, is that correct? So I won't go into what honour is, on, um, but it's just seeing the gold in people really, and, and working to bring that gold out um, and working to, to sort of like helping them to be the best that they can be. Um, integrity is a really important part of this level of leadership. Um, integrity is another word for, for being honest, because if you want to build up trust 
with the people that you're leading and I think that's really an important thing. They need to be able to trust you and if you want them to trust you, you have to be a person of integrity. And I guess integrity is something that we need to be focusing on anyway in our lives, but, but especially in terms of leadership. If you say one thing but then do another, then you staff or you people that you're leading are going to start getting disgruntled with you, they're start going to get, you know, irritated with you. Honesty. Trustworthy. Yeah. So it's, it's practicing what you preach. So, you know, you, you, for example, if you say to your employees or the people, I want you to be here for nine o'clock um, because we're gonna start on time, we're gonna go for it, and then you turn up at 10 past. That's gonna, you know, like, it's not gonna work. It's gonna create an issue where they're not gonna, they're not gonna turn up on time because you're not turning up on time. Why should they do it if you're not prepared to do it? Um, some statistics. Are you okay? Yep. Um, some statistics. 89% of what we learn comes through visual stimulation. 10% comes through audio stimulation and 1% through the others. So, other senses. So that's why it's really important to be a person of integrity. It's important to be a person that your life um, matches what you say and you do what you say because people are watching you and as leaders they're going to follow or if you want them to follow then they need to be able to follow something that is followable and trustworthy That Paul goes on to, to say, you know, like in, in terms of church leadership, he says in 1 Timothy 3 verse 2, an overseer, which is a leader, must be above reproach, so above criticism, so like his life needs to be to the point where he's actually practicing what he's preaching. Um, husband and one wife, temperate, self-controlled, and hospitable, and able to teach. Um, John C. Maxwell says, when I have integrity, my words and my deeds match up. I mean, Saul really, really lacked integrity. Um, and so, you know, like, you can see how he didn't manage to get to level two. Um, in chapter 13, he didn't honour Samuel. So, so he, no, there was no honour there. There was no respect for Samuel's role. Um, he, Samuel was a little bit late. He got caught up. And so Saul took over Samuel's job. And he built the sacrifice, um, which he wasn't meant to do because he hadn't been appointed by God to build sacrifices. Um, and so because of that, um, oh, and when Samuel arrived, he blamed Samuel for being late. So it was Samuel's fault that he broke God's rules. <laughs> like he tried to blame Samuel for being late. 
it was your fault. I, you know, I'm panicked. I thought I'd better take, do your job because you didn't turn up. Um, but because of that, he actually basically lost his long-term kingdom. God said, you know what? There's no honour there. There's no integrity there. There's just, there's, you know, your kingdom isn't going to last. So, um, in chapter 14, we see him lying um, about who's about who won the Philistines. There's a bit of a, 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 an impasse going on. The Philistines had an out, um, outpost stronghold, and there was a, the Philistines were there. The Israelites were here, and nothing was happening for ages. And then after a while, do you remember the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer? Jonathan's like, this is ridiculous. Jonathan being Saul's son, we need to do something about this. So it's Jonathan and his armor bearer take the stand and instead of Saul, I mean it was Saul's job to do that, he was the leader but Saul's not really doing his job very well. Jonathan takes this, the strength and the courage and he goes and he defeats the uh, Philistines and we see that actually who took the credit for it at the end of the day? We see that Saul took the credit. So, so at the very end of the day when, when you know, the battle was won, Saul didn't praise Jonathan and thank Jonathan for his hard work and, and he, he starts, you know, we won, I won. We took the credit for something that somebody else had done. That's not creating honour, that's not respecting those in his team, that's not, um, that's just not bringing that place of, of just relationship um, and leading by permission. Then in chapter 15, um, we see Saul. Again, um, God had said through Samuel, okay, go for it, take the battle and win. And when you've won, but just destroy everything. Don't take the plunder, okay? Just don't take anything and let it all go, right? And God always has a reason for his commands. And so Saul took the command, but he didn't follow it through. As a leader, he should have made sure that everybody followed that command, but he didn't. He allowed his men to take the plunder. So when Samuel comes along and says, what's going on? He blamed the men, despite the fact that he was the leader and he should have implemented what God had said. He didn't implement it. He just blamed the men. Oh, they, they took it with nothing to do with me. And as a result, God says, that's it. I'm, I'm gonna find another king. And, and he took his anointing off of Saul at that moment. And I, and I just think it's because of Saul's lack of respect for the people that he's leading, he was leading. His lack of respect for the voice of God and the commands of God. His lack of respect for Samuel. He just didn't have that interrelationships. He just didn't have what it takes to be a good leader. He just continuously focused on his title. Now David, on the other hand, we see that he very quickly... Sorry? <laughs> yeah. So, so once, once Saul, had, you know, God had said, right, I'm taking, I'm taking my enabling anointing off of you. Um, I'm going to find someone else. 
He then speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, go find, you know, David, the son of Jesse. Go find the son of Jesse. And I love that story because he goes to find the son of Jesse and Jesse brings all his sons except David because David was just a young lad, just a shepherd boy. He wasn't like a warrior or anything like that at the time. Um, he brings all the sons out and, and Samuel's looking at them saying, God, is this one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And God's like, nope, 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 nope. And in the end, he gets to the end of the line and he's like, okay, Jesse, uh, do you have any more sons? And he's like, well, there is David out in the field. Um, and I mean, it, it doesn't actually say it, but a lot of scholars believe that that's because David was illegitimate. So he probably wasn't the son of Jesse's wife. We're not sure. But, but anyway, he wasn't considered as one of his sons until Samuel says, have you not got any other sons? And then it's like, well, David, but he's out in the field. And they bring David in and God says, yep, he's the man. He's a man after my own heart. You know, God's like, you know what, I reckon he's, he's going to follow my heart. And it's interesting is because during the time that David was out in the field, he got to know God and his voice and his heart. And he got to learn how to trust God. And there were, you know, one or two incidences where, you know, a lion came apparently and tried to attack the flock. And David dealt with the lion, you know, wasn't a warrior but he did it you know and then apparently and then a bear came i mean the bears are pretty you know apparently quite difficult to fight um <laughs> wouldn't want to do it <laughs> um, but david fought the bear and, and rescued his sheep and, and so so david learned to trust god out in the field and he bit, developed a relationship with god in the field um so, so David was anointed king, but what's interesting is that he didn't become king on the day that he was anointed. He was prophesied over. He was anointed, but it was another 15 years or so before he actually took the throne, which is interesting. Um, because we see, if when you re I really suggest you read Samuel 1 and 2, because it's actually quite a fascinating story um, to read. And when you read it, read it with the thought, what are their leadership skills? How are they how are they building on, you know, how are they growing in leadership? What what are they doing as they what do they do right? What do they do wrong? You know, read it from that perspective. Um, but we see that during during the time, even before he became like the leader, we see his leadership skills growing and developing um, far more than than Saul's ever did. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to the yeah, I mean it's it's a really sad story, I think, um, and all because he just he just he didn't really care. It seems you know he just he just didn't develop that relationship with God, didn't develop the relationship with others. He he got really really obsessed, and I'm going to go on to talk about it in a bit. But he got really obsessed with keeping his title and anyone who got rem yeah yep so Saul tried to kill David not the other yeah. yeah 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 so 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 many times he was so threatened by David 
that he, yeah, he, that became his obsession. I've got to keep my title. I've got to keep my throne. I've got to, you know, I am the leader and no one's going to take this from me. Rather than actually leading, he tried to just focus on keeping his title. And, and we can see that sometimes when you look at, you know, different leaders. Some people are so focused on keeping their title that they're really not doing a good job of, of leading. And that's not what leadership is about. That's being stuck on level one instead of actually being a proper leader and, and doing what leadership is really all about. Um, but we, we see that David, um, he very quickly, wherever he led, it's evident that he moved to level two very quickly. In fact, he moves on to level three very quickly and level four. Level three is, is uh, sorry, production. So, so that's where you do focus on, where am I taking this group? What, it, what is the purpose of what we're doing here? And because you've built up the relationship with people, you, you to maintain that. Um, so level two, the position level, level two, is like the glue that you want to keep throughout the whole of your leadership. It's, it's that relationship that you've got with the people. You want to carry that on through all the different levels. Um, but, but once you've got that, then you can then begin to focus with the group on what it is you actually want to achieve. So it's, you know, like you've come together for a purpose. What is our purpose? What are our goals? What are the plans? And you can actually lead people forward because you've got their permission and you, you're able then to enthuse them. Is that a word? Enthuse. Yeah, you, you get them enthusiastic about what it is that you're there for. And we see that David was like, just seemed to be able to do that um, without even trying, it seems. <laughs> because he, you know, he, Saul tried to kill him, as, as you've just pointed out. So, so you know, he threw his spear at him when he was at the dinner table. And so David um, then decides um, it's time to go on the run. And it's not safe to be around here anymore. King wants me dead. Um, and at this time, point, obviously, David knows that at some point he's going to be king. And Jonathan knows that as well. So Jonathan's like, you know what? I, I mean, Jonathan is an amazing, amazing guy. would love to have met him. Um, well, maybe we will one day in heaven. I'll hunt him out and have a conversation with him. Because, because he honoured the fact that you could see the anointing of God on David and he honoured that. Um, but Jonathan saved David's life um, by helping him escape from his dad. And then David's out off there on the run. And we find him, he finds himself in, in a cave. And he finds himself surrounded by the misfits of society. So all those that haven't fitted into society very well, whether they've, you know, they're on the run from the police or whatever, or they're a little bit odd, or um, the parents, or whatever, don't like them, or, you know, like the, all the people that didn't fit into the towns and the cities ended up in the cave with David. And, and you can see how very quickly he, I don't know, doesn't say how he ended up their leader, but, but he must have just been a natural leader, someone who, who very quickly built up relationship and then very quickly began to 
to build them up and I'm moving on to level four which is people development David was so good at developing those that were under his leadership um, and, and this, this level four is when you are able to empower the people in your group to be the best that they can be and you begin to raise them up into leadership themselves and you begin to train them and, and develop them and you can see how David did this so well with the guys who were in the cave with him right it must have been a really big challenge for him because like just just prior to that he was helping to lead Saul's army he'd had loads of victories and was living in a palace and now he finds himself in a cave with a bunch of society rejects and yet he takes those rejects and he turns them into mighty men he turns them into warriors and even before he becomes king you see that he has now got a really powerful army he inputs into them and and his army i mean he ends up with it being given um, a city from the Philistines um, called Ziklag. So he ends up with a city so that he can then bring his misfits and their families and, and he's ruling his city. Okay, so he, he ends up very quickly with, with um, like almost like a mini little micronation um, under his rulership. John C. Maxwell says, a great leader is, is great not because of his or her power, but because of his and or her ability to empower others. And so if you look at the great leaders down through like, the history, they're, they're not the ones that go down as dictators, because nobody likes dictators, but I mean good leaders and those that people say, oh yeah, they were a great leader. What was their quality? Their quality was able to be able to empower those under them to be great leaders too and to be great people. And if you can do that, rather than being like Saul, who was so focused on his title and keeping his title, be like David, who was focused on raising people up. Because when you raise people up, there's, there will be loyalty to you. His men, the, these men, um, there's a point, a point further on in Samuel where um, now David is king and, and all is well. And David's like, oh, I just fancy a cup of water from that particular spring. But at the moment, that particular spring is surrounded by Philistines. Some of his men risked their lives, went and defeated the stronghold so that they could bring a cup of water back to David because he just fancied the cup. He didn't command them to, didn't ask them to. He just made the comment, oh, I just fancy drinking water from that well. They were so loyal to him that they were like, right, David wants to drink water. Let's go do it. And off they went and they did it and they brought it. So, so when you're at that stage, it's, it's out of relationship. People follow you because they want to. They, they, they want to do what you want because they respect you. There's honor there, there's respect. 
Another thing that David did really well um, in terms of empowering others was he released the musicians and the Levites back into their destiny. And you know, he got them together and he's like, okay, your musicians, go do your job. And, and he released them into their, you know, to worship God. And, and the, in, even today, um, in the summer, there is a thing called David's Tent, which is all about worshiping God and, and, and music and, and honoring God. And, um, and that is based way back on what David did, because he, he established that whole, let's just worship God with music. And he was a musician, so he was biased in that area and often musicians are biased when it comes to music and worship and um, obviously there's lots of other forms of, of worship and doing things in other ways but, but David because he was a musician I guess released the musicians into worship and, and so he he honoured people's giftings and I think that's really important as well coming back to like honour and respect and creating that atmosphere of honour. It's about honouring what's inside of other people. It's so coming back to integrity and, and building up that trust. Um, an example of, of where David and how David did that. He, he made his mistakes. And you're sharing your drink with <laughs> He made his mistakes along the way. But instead of being like Saul and pushing the blame onto other people, he, he acknowledged his mistakes. And he held his hands up and said, yes, I did that. That was my mistake. Um, so, for example, when he got really angry um, with Abigail's husband, he wanted to pass through the land or something. I can't remember the whole story now, but he was really angry with him and he was about to kill him. And, and Abigail confronted David and said, you can't do that, you can't take blood just because you're angry and, and he stepped back and he acknowledged his mistake and he said I'm sorry and he withdrew from, from that action and um, he took advice from a woman um, which was interesting. He took responsibility for his own actions and what's interesting in that story is God actually dealt with it for him in the night the guy died. So David didn't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but but that and on that note though, David was willing to accept information and accept advice from others. So just because you're a leader doesn't mean that you're gonna get it right all the time, and doesn't mean that you know everything. And and it doesn't mean that what you think is the best course of action. Um, and so be willing to listen to people's advice, weigh it up, take it on, um, just like David did with Abigail. Think about what people are saying, um, because, because that's a wise thing to do. I'm not saying be a yes person and be pushed around and 
and let everybody lead you for you. I'm not saying that um, because at the end of the day, if you're in leadership for something, then the book stops with you in that area. So you are, in one sense, responsible for what happens, but take on board what people are saying. I love as well in the story um, in Samuel 1 Samuel 29 and this is before he becomes king but this is when he's now got his city um, of Ziklag and so he's got his own personal army and things are going quite well um, and but what happens one one particular um, occasion is he's out at war helping another king in a situation um, when somebody attacks Ziklag, his city, um, and kidnaps his wife, all the wives and the children and burns the city. Um, and David finds out that, well, they come back and find that out. And um, I mean, it's quite, they're all quite distressed to the point that, you know, like there's a possibility that, you know, some of them are like, should we kill David? Is this his fault? Um, David talks to God about what's happening and God says no go get them go get them back and so David it says strengthens himself in in God and and stands up and and gets ready and imparts courage and enthusiasm to his men who are all distressed because their wives and kids are gone and it's like okay guys let's go and so so they then pursue the the people that had kidnapped his wife the wives and children and, and they start to fight, and, and, but then it gets to the point where some of his men are really, really tired and they're weary. And so David then says, okay, guys, if you're tired and you're weary, wait here. Those of you who are strong enough, follow me. And, and he divides the camp into those who are strong and those who, who are weary and weak. And he leaves the people there and the rest of them pursue. And then they overtake the army, deal with them and bring their wives and children back and end up bringing back spoils as well, um, which is good because his city has just been burnt. So he's now got stuff to replace what's been burnt. And he comes back to the people who were weary and uh, brings everybody back together. And what I love about this story is, you know, he, he was so, such a fair and just leader he recognised the needs of those who were weary. And instead of punishing them for being weary, he just says to the, everybody that they all get to share the spoils. So those that stay back at camp because they were too weary, plus those that moved forward and, and fought to bring the spoils back, everybody got to share in the victory. Because he knew and understood the needs and the strengths of the people that he was leading. Saul, on the other hand, was just the opposite to that. You know, do you remember the time when, when he, back to when um, Jonathan and, and his armor bearer were fighting the Philistines, and then Saul comes out with this ridiculous vow where he says, no one is to eat until we have defeated the enemy. So he forbids any one of his army to eat. Now, Where's the logic in that? There is none, okay? And he's like, I will kill 
you know, the person who eats will die. You eat until we've won. Then you're going to die, right? I think, so where are you at? You know, where, how can you possibly care for your army? He just didn't. He was just had, had this, like, I don't know, the opposite to David. I mean, we find, don't we, that, that Jonathan did eat and, and Saul wanted to kill Jonathan for it. And like, so, you know, like, it's like, hello, where are you at? Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.